0: This morning we're, we're going to be speaking uh, from the Beatitudes, continuing on uh, the discussion of God as a as a peacemaker, that we're peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Let's take a minute to pray. Father, I just pray that you would Give us your heart for peacemaking this morning, that you would actually allow us to um, represent you as peacemakers. Father, I pray that your word would come forth, that you would uh, speak uh, to us, that you would speak through me with your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I mentioned, Matthew 5, 9, uh, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called Children of God. Now we've been um, laying down a foundation. The Beatitudes have been leading up. They've been laying down a foundation for us having the heart of a peacemaker. So we're going to go through the Beatitudes, just kind of. You've seen the the slide that's discussed that, that's talked about um, the Beatitudes. I just want to kind of go through these again. But as as I go through them, I want you to think about from the perspective of somebody who's peacemaker from the perspective of somebody who's possibly coming to you for for reconciliation it would be so easy when I consider this to reconcile with somebody if they have laid down this in their lives first we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit we see our hopeless spiritual condition uh, and our need for God in that Blessed are those that mourn. We mourn for the sin and its consequences, for our sin and its consequences, and we're confronted with the reality of that. Blessed are the meek. We're humbled by God's grace for us, and our opinions of ourselves tend to change. We don't think so highly of ourselves when we're humbled by what God has done hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. For the Father through the Son were made righteous. And blessed are the merciful. Because of the mercy that God has shown us, we can show mercy to others. And blessed are the pure in heart. We have God's interests first and not our own. This idea of um, the other Beatitudes all being interconnected with peacemaking um, is talked about in a quote from Martin Lord Jones. And he says, if you have seen yourself as poor in spirit, if you have mourned because of the blackness of your heart, if you have truly seen yourself, and have hungered and thirsted after righteousness, you will not stand any longer on your rights and privileges. You will not be asking, what about me in this? When we've gone through this emptying and filling of the Beatitudes, we're truly ready to actually become peacemakers. But as the verse mentions, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. That really stood out to me, that idea of children of God. Because when I consider that, I, I really believe we're, we're actually children of God already when we've actually come to Christ um, through salvation. We become children of God. It says in 1 John, not, excuse me, not 1 John, John 1, 12, but to all who believe him, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So what's going on here? What, what is it discussing? What is it talking about? I really believe it's because God is a God of peace. God is a God of peace. It says in Colossians 1.20, and through him, referring to Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So this idea of being a child of God, it really is kind of, opposite from how I initially thought about how I think a lot of times we do think about this scripture we are peacemakers Uh, we don't become children of God because we're peacemakers we become peacemakers because we're children of God we are representing God and his heart for peacemaking John Piper says it this way when Jesus says blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. He's not telling us how to become a son of God. Rather, Jesus is simply saying that sons of God are, in fact, peacemakers. I think sometimes of of representing our father. And so many times when you see a young son kind of being a carbon copy almost of their father uh i was thinking of little frankie Um, he so much looks like frank and acts like frank and it's kind of an image of what we're supposed to be um to our father we're supposed to be a reflection and a representation of what he is and god is a god of peace I want to define as a a term, a Hebrew term called shalom that that we um, call peace, but shalom is such a deeper term. This is actually Tim Keller's um, defining what shalom actually means. And he says, God created the world to be a fabric for everything to be woven together and interdependent. Neil Planting, a, a theologian, puts it this way. The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in equity, fulfillment, and delight. This is what the Hebrew prophets called shalom. We translate it peace, but in the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. I just love that definition. When I I was reading through that, it just reminded me of like a warm blanket. There's so much there, there's so much depth to that. Now, there are actually two different areas that we're actually called to be peacemakers. And the first one is that we're called to be peacemakers through reconciliation with God. God is a peace-loving God and a peacemaking God. The whole history of redemption that culminates in the death and the resurrection of Jesus is God's plan to bring about a just and lasting peace between rebellious man and himself. Let me read that again. God is a peace-loving God and a peace-making God. The whole history of redemption that culminates in the death and the resurrection of Jesus is God's plan to bring about a just and lasting peace between rebellious man and himself. This is a foundational part of the gospel. We're called to be peacemakers by bringing others into reconciliation with God. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says this. For God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So this is truly the foundation of peacemaking. And it's really the essential piece when it comes to peacemaking with other people, which is the second part of peacemaking. We're called to be peacemakers uh, from reconciliation with others. Whether it's with yourself, and someone else, or whether it's between two other parties. We're called to be peacemakers. And I want to discuss some of the characteristics of what it means to be a peacemaker. The first thing is that we can't do this on our own. As we've been going through the Beatitudes, I don't know if you've had this thought, but I've had it many times. Man, I cannot do this on my own. These are these principles are challenging principles that God has put down for us, and we truly, truly need His grace in our lives. You know, uh, a few weeks ago, we were having a little bit of uh, conflict in our house. I don't know if I'm the only one that ever has that. You know, don't want to leave me hanging. <laughs> but uh, things were things were getting a little heated around the house, and uh, you know, rockets were flying, and things were happening. And I remember very distinctly, I kind of was leaning on our counter because I've always, I've always thought to myself, you know what, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a peacemaker. This is something that I'm, that I'm good at. And I remember leaning against the counter thinking, I thought I was good at this. And, and I mean, the instant that that thought went through my head, God was like, you thought you were good at this? That's not what it's about. We truly need him. We truly need his grace in order to become true peacemakers. So we can't do it on our own. We need God's grace. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones actually says it this way. As we have seen in all our previous studies, there is nothing more fatal than for the natural man to think that he can take the Beatitudes and try to put them into practice. We need God's grace. We also need to be slow to speak. This can be a challenging one as well. Um, James 1:19 says, "Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. How, many, how much um, conflict? could be resolved with just that one verse. <laughs> I mean, that's just like so foundational to so much of the things that cause conflict, that cause unrest and, and uh, no peace. If we could actually just do that one thing. I want to talk about also the comparison between the difference between being a peacemaker and being a peacekeeper, because peacemakers are not peacekeepers. Peacekeepers avoid conflict. There's no reconciliation. It never leads to uh, substantive life change. Peacemakers go on the offensive to bring peace through reconciliation. It seems like a strong term, but I kept kind of going over that, and and I think it's a good word because We're really supposed to be really proactive in this. This is not something that we should sit back when there's not peace and we should just let it lie. So many times we actually allow situations where there's not reconciliation to happen and God wants us to actually go on the offensive to actually not be passive. Peace must first be disrupted in order to allow for greater peace to enter. Peacekeepers tend to create a false peace, really. It's a false peace. Making peace can really be, be messy. The verse we read earlier, where it talks about, uh, in Colossians 1.20, it talked about um, God making peace. That peace came through Christ's blood on the cross. It's a messy situation. It's not an easy thing. It's a hard thing. We need to be proactive, not passive aggressive. I think that's the difference as well between peacemakers and peacekeepers. Peacemakers are proactive, peacekeepers can tend to be passive aggressive. This is something that I can be guilty of sometimes. I kind of feel like a referee sometimes when there's conflict going on around me. I'm just like trying to just. Can we just have peace? But it's not really a true peace because. Many times when you just walk away from conflict, the conflict isn't resolved. It's not a true lasting peace. So peacemaking can be a hard thing. It's not easy. Matthew 18:15 says this. If another believer sins against you go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. I want to point out the idea of go privately. I think in our society, we we go publicly a lot of times. You know, somebody offends you, nothing better than sticking it on Facebook, you know? (laughs) Um, But also the term go there, really stood out to me too as being um that's one of the reasons why i use that term offensive because you're you're being proactive there you're going to that person you're going face to face with that person and you're actually trying to resolve the conflict privately i think that's really important to be proactive in that way as i was going through this message i really Kept coming back. I couldn't get away from um, an example in Scripture of peacemaking that Paul did. Uh, the book of Philemon is a is a book that I actually personally just it, it just really speaks to me. It's a short little book, it's a chapter long, but it's such a powerful um, book in the Bible. I'm gonna give you a little bit of background to to this because I think it really helps to set the stage for um, what I'm gonna read later, which is gonna be a a pretty good section. I kept thinking to myself when I was going through it, I'm like, man, this is an awful lot to read, but I couldn't get away from it. It's such a strong example of peacemaking. So Paul wrote this letter. He was in prison at the time. Um, Philemon was a wealthy Roman citizen. Colossae and Paul met him on one of his missionary journeys to Ephesus and uh, through their meeting Philemon became a follower of Christ Philemon not only became a follower but he became a leader in the church he actually had a home church that met in his house this was a man that had a deep um, relationship with Christ Philemon Uh, like all household patriarchs um, in the roman world owned slaves one of whom was named onesimus and at some point onesimus did something wrong he wronged philemon in some way we're not sure exactly why he may have what he did he may have stole from him he may have cheated him there's some indications of some of that in this book But we don't know exactly, all we know is that he did something wrong and he took off. He ran away. Now eventually Onesimus came to Paul in prison, likely to appeal to him for help. And in the process, he became a follower of Christ. And then a beloved assistant to Paul. So Paul finds himself in a very difficult situation a delicate situation as he writes this letter. Because Philemon, under Roman law, would have had every right to have Onesimus killed for what he did. But he was gonna ask Philemon, not just to forgive Onesimus and receive him back, but to embrace him as a brother in the Lord and no longer a slave. As we read through this, I'd like everybody to consider, if you could bring up the slide about the uh, different Beatitudes, I'd like everybody to consider these different characteristics of the Beatitudes in Paul's writing. Think about the meekness, the mercy, pure in heart. All of those things, all those foundational things are found in this book, and Paul really represents it um, very well in this book. So as we go through it, I want you to kind of consider that. Think about these things. Think about the Beatitudes and how Paul is actually really displaying them in this book. So as we read through it, reflect on that. Also reflect on areas that you might need to bring some reconciliation. Are there people that you actually need to go to, that you need to actually be on the offensive to really get there and really deal with a situation that needs to be dealt with. So as I read this, just consider those things. Consider the attitudes of the Beatitudes and consider where you're at in areas that you might need to have reconciliation. Philemon, starting in chapter, uh, excuse me, in verse 6, says this and I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That is why, i am boldly asking a favor of you i could demand it in the name of christ because it is the right thing for you to do but because of your love i prefer simply to ask you consider this as a request from me paul an old man and now also a prisoner for the sake of christ jesus i appeal to you to show kindness to my child Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been much of a use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I'm in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't wanna do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave for he is a beloved believer especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, and I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. (laughs) Does that not just speak, there's so much wisdom in his words there, there's so much humility in what he's saying there? And I just want you to think about that, I want you to consider this, as we close today, because I really believe that it's really about the whole picture of these Beatitudes. It's really essential to have the humility and the different aspects of the Beatitudes. if We want to truly be peacemakers for Christ. So while we consider that, while we consider Some areas that maybe we need to see reconciliation, or maybe we need to actually be peacemakers in the world. I want you to take a few minutes as we pray and consider that.